Hey, everybody, you're listening to Beyond 1894. This is the official podcast of Louisiana Tech University. Uh, my name is Gavin Kelly from the Office of University Communications, and this is going to be a fun episode because sitting across from me right now, also from the Office of University Communications, is one Teddy Allen. Uh, Teddy's usually on this side of the table, but we've sort of flipped things on him for today. How are you, T.A.? Um, well, it's good. good. I had to think for a minute. Yeah, this is sort of unrehearsed, but it is a pleasure always to spend time with you, Gavin. Well, we thank you for, for sliding in okay. uh, in the guest spot for this episode. Teddy is sort of a, I mean, everyone who's listening knows Teddy, most likely. But just so you know, Teddy's sort of a jack-of-all-trades, master of some, right, Teddy? Okay. Uh, Teddy's a writer, you know, mm-hmm. by trade, but also a broadcaster. Sort of. A Hall of Famer. We'll Thank get to you. that. But, I mean, tell us, tell us about technically what you do here, Teddy. Okay. I was hired to help uh, serve kind of at the pleasure of the executive director of University Communications, which falls under the office of the president. So we may be writing about a kid splitting the atom or getting a scholarship or a faculty person inventing something. Uh, or I also help with uh, LaTexSports.com, worked for Learfield for the last, I think it's my 12th football season i've been back over here 13 years um so i held with uh to sweep up after the, i'm by no means a professional broadcaster really i have a perfect <laughs> voice for newspaper so i'm more of a writer than that but anyway that led into the writing led into broadcasting so everybody pretty much is my boss and that's the way it's supposed to be over here i'm just kind of do what i'm told and keep showing up so you've been doing this for a while you'd say y- yes Today's a perfect example in that this is unrehearsed, and you said, hey, this is what's going to happen. I said, okay, whatever I can do to help the squad. Absolutely. Teddy is is one of the most helpful people you'll ever meet, and he certainly helps row the ship here. And I know he doesn't care for the spotlight being on him. No, so. don't do windows. I'm not going to do windows. <laughs> no, I'm not a spot. I'm, I'm a rhythm guitar player. I just, I there's, look, there's give. respect in that. There's right. a top hundred list somewhere of top guitar players. I do not need to be players. the lead singer. Um, yeah, I never wanted to be a really big star, and so far it's just working out pretty good. So, Teddy, where are you from? From Lakeview, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was born in Alaska on an Air Force base. My dad was in the Air Force. Then he decided that he needed to be a preacher, and so we moved back to close to his hometown in Carolina. So I grew up there, 750 people in Lakeview. It's just so lucky to grow up in that town and around farming folks. And then um, when I was a teenager— a church in West Monroe asked my dad to come be their preacher. That's where my mother's from. And so we've been here since then. West Monroe, biggest town I could ever imagine possibly living in. I was scared to death. I knew my cousins, and that was it. <laughs> it wasn't any tractors around to drive or hogs to feed or uh, chickens to gather eggs from, so I had to start cutting a lot of grass to make some money. And Anyway, I was just very lucky that I um, fell into that. Now I have a bunch of wonderful friends over there. And, and I've been here in North Louisiana since. What a break. So what was the – we asked this mm-hmm. of all of our guests okay. with ties to Louisiana Tech. What was the pull, the appeal of Louisiana Tech to you? My Sunday school teacher, R.L. Lester, and his wife, uh, uh, R.L. Sheridan, they took me to a Tech football game when I was 14 years old, 15. Who'd they play? Uh, they played Northeast, and uh, it was one of the national championship teams. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was neat. Um, you didn't realize what you were in the middle of at the time. I just know this was a cool place, and 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 I had been to uh, 
when I was 10 years old, some people in my, ch- the boys in my church took me to the uh, Clemson, South Carolina football game at Clemson. So there's 50,000 people there. I didn't know there's as many people in the world and all these colors and sounds. And again, these guys are 24, five, six, seven, eight years old. Lynn Moody and Hayes Barfield was the local mechanic. Rudy Huggins, the best third base uh, left fielder I ever saw. Why they took me, I do not know, but they took this little 10 year old dude. And I said, man, I got to figure out how to get back to something like this. It's just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And the next year, my dad took me to a Wake Forest, South Carolina game. So I always secretly wanted to be a writer. Uh, For about two weeks, probably, when I was in the eighth grade, I wanted to be the center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles. But the more I thought about it, no, I just want to – I'm not going to be good enough (laughs) to do that. I just want to write. And so – Ariel and Sheridan took me to this game, and then that was fine, and that kind of passed. And I went to uh, college for one year. I had a scholarship here at a school in Louisiana, and I just did not like it. And so I got a job at the Beacon Gas Plant over by Homer. By that time, my dad was a preacher at the First Baptist Church in Homer. Again, another case of the Lord helping me out because it was a great break to get to live in Claiborne Parish for two or three years. And it made a big difference in my life Mm -hmm. because the sheriff of the parish, who was also the chairman of deacons, came to the parsonage one day in the summer of 79. And he said, get in the car, Alan. And I said, well, Sheriff folks, do you want me to go inside and wash? I mean, I had dirt all over me. (laughs) He said, no, just get in the car. It was not the first time an officer of the law had asked me to enter (laughs) the vehicle. So 15 minutes later, we were here in Ruston. His son, Jim, future athletic director at Tech, had been the football equipment manager. He said, you're going you're gonna to be the equipment manager. I said, no, I got a good job at Beacon Gas, and I'm going to kind of do He said, no, this is what's going to happen. And so he introduced me to Sam Wilkinson, the trainer then. Maxie Lambright was there, E.J. Lewis, and uh, Pat Patterson. Those were the first guys I met. Wow, yeah. And, uh, you know, two weeks later, I was spending the night in Hutchinson dorm all by myself. It was August of 79. Uh, yeah, 78 or 79. And I had my Gene Watson farewell party album. I had a, uh, uh, my toothbrush and a couple of pairs of, you know, change of clothes. And I said, <laughs> what am I doing here? And the next morning I was at the field house and Sam was showing me how to put a face mask on a helmet. And two quarters later, I had a full scholarship. Uh, so that's how I got through school. I would have never been good enough to play and get a scholarship. And it was just, it was a break. And then I just kept doing what people told me to do. Um, eventually got on the school paper, which is another story. Uh, and then was a graduate assistant in sports information for Keith Prince. And that's how I got to, to be a writer for people. Just gave me a chance and I kept doing what I was told. And you've not, you've stayed a writer, so yes. I guess you the the little boy that decided that that was for him, right? Had something going yeah. for him. When I was in school, I just didn't know. Even when I got to tech, who do you go talk to and say, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to write something. I'm gonna need you to pay me some money." I didn't. Know. So I was. We're in Wiley Tower right now. I could take you downstairs outside of George T. Madison, where Wiley Hilburn introduced himself to me one day. God rest his soul. I still stopped by once every two weeks over at the cemetery and tell Wiley, thank you. Um, but he said, look, he introduced himself to me. I knew his son, Greg. He said, I, I don't know how they do things in South Carolina, but here you go to school four years and you kind of, you get a degree and you kind of free up a spot for somebody else. And your teachers tell me 
that you have good grades in English. And he said, I wouldn't know that really by talking to you, but they say <laughs> writing-wise. So I want you to be on the school paper. You write what you know. Give me the three best lessons I ever had in writing. He said, you write what you know, and you know sports. I'm going to make you a sports writer. And he said, it's hard work. And I figured, well, I had a break because I'd always worked since I was a little guy. And then he said, I'm going to help you. And so he did. And, um, and it started off kind of rough, but uh, I kept at it and uh, – Thank the Lord, figured out how to do it. So schools after school, mm-hmm. what was your first job? Jobs had a job at the uh, link at the uh, Longview newspaper. Okay, to write sports. I remember loading up my stuff and and getting on the exit ramp to go from Tech to go to Longview, and one of my boots fell out of the back of my truck. <laughs> I could see it laying on the side of it, so I had to get out. Stack that all back in, push everything down my truck. And I worked there just through the summer because in August they called me at Monroe and said, hey, do you want to come work over here? And I was making $250 at Longview, which is beautiful. And they said, we'll give you $330. I said, I'll be there. Cha-ching. <laughs> that was the most money I could ever imagine making <laughs> in my life. And I got there on a Friday. I wrote a pregame story for uh, USL at the time versus Tech. And I went and covered the Carol Wasman game. I remember it was seven to nothing, and I came back and I mainly wrote about the bands, which were fascinating. Uh, and the next day, I guess I covered Tech USL and kept doing what I was told. Um, I think the week later, I was at Tiger Stadium, and I think it was LSU Vanderbilt, and I had a little Radio Shack computer that I really didn't know how to work. But the way you learn how to do stuff is they just throw you into the thing and you figure it out. Um, and that's what I did. So. I'm just glad to have those opportunities uh, that were given to me to see if I could see if I could do it or not. Well, you found your way back here. How and why? I was working at the Shreveport Times, which has always been great. They were really, really great to me. I went from um, the Times. I worked at the Journal, which was a wonderful sports staff, then to the Times-Picayune, covering LSU and the Saints. And then I, they started Metro Column in 1990, and I, came, and I did that. And also wrote sports and other stuff. But one day I looked around the newsroom, and, and the newsroom started changing with the internet, as we know. So there used to be eighty people just in the newsroom, mm-hmm. not counting retail, classified, human resource. Now there's like four at the Times, which is not no fault of the Times. Just the world has changed. Yeah. But I was over there, and there was there wasn't anybody left to crack jokes with. I just looked around, and everybody was gone. And the whole <laughs> reason you do it is you don't make any money, but you know if the people are around, they're creative. They you. I mean, the whole reason I still work today is to be around my friends. I mean, be around you and the, the rest of the people Aww. else. I could do something else. Um, so a job had opened over here, and they asked me about applying. I did. I interviewed in actually this very room where we're sitting. Okay, wow. And so I uh, got the job. When was this? What year was this? This was in uh, 2008. Okay. October. It's November now, so how many years that is. Mm-hmm. And, and I could still, I was contracted to keep writing Sunday columns at the newspaper, uh, which I did until last year when I switched to the Shreveport Bozier Journal, which is what I do now. Um, so that's how I got back over here. And then they showed me what they needed me to do. A year went by and they asked me to uh, help with football and broadcasting. And so they pulled me along and kind of explained to me how to do that. So I just keep showing up, Gavin, just reporting for duty and <laughs> doing what i'm told what was your first uh, game on the radio like 
Uh, the first game on the radio was Tech at Southern Miss. It was a, a not a tornado, but a tropical storm. Okay. So the game didn't start till nine that night. A guy with a squeegee came by to do the glass, <laughs> and then he left. I guess he was on half scholarship or something. I watched the whole game with my my ball cap turned around, back on my head, and my face against the glass. And Hall of Fame broadcaster Dave Nitz had the game. Mm-hmm. But we still say that's the one game he never saw a play of. He tried to call it off of the jumbotron, and I would point to numbers on his sheet. To, to, that's that was my that was my initial contest. Um, one hasn't been that trying. So we had buckets in there catching water. It's it wasn't USM's fault. It's just an old press box, and uh, it was uh, combat conditions. But we made a tech loss on a long field goal at the end of the game. Kid kicked it into the wind longest field goal of his life and uh bulldogs lost it was either the last play of the game or it was in overtime hurt me long long trip back from hattiesburg in the rain well now you're sharing the booth with one malcolm butler mm-hmm. and what's that been like a terrible uh, a lot of friction <laughs> a lot of friction between me and malcolm and he didn't really know what's going on bless his heart malcolm's been spectacular he of course been calling lady tech the voice of lady Tech right. for almost 20 years or more so he's a real professional. Uh, it's been kind of tough the last couple of years because the team has not done – the football team has not done as well as we'd hoped. But the tide will turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, better days are ahead. Just got to buckle your chin strap and hang on. Malcolm's had to call a lot of games, but Tech has lost late. It's really difficult tough, yeah. to do. Um, because, again, these are people who are played for – the guys are on scholarship and stuff, and they're not professionals. So um, – you know, you, you call it different than if you were calling it a pro game. Right. Air on the side of caution. Everybody's out there trying. Nobody practices to lose. Uh, but Malcolm's been – Malcolm's handled it really well. I'm really proud of him. He is also, uh, of course, doing Dunkin' Dogs um, basketball, and he will, after this year, take over for baseball. He He's uh, always prepared, and I'm, it's, it's a joy to work with him and Elton, uh, the rest of the gang. It's It's – it's it's not stealing money it's still working mm-hmm. but it's not i've done a lot of things that are a lot harder it's not uh you know taking down a tobacco barn or scratching corn all day or uh, so <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a joy to, to to be on the team and that's that's one of the things that i've always caught a break with i've always just been on such good teams i've been on, i'm on a good team now here i'm on a good team broadcasting uh i'm on a good team with the Shreveport Bowser Journal and working with those guys, you know, part-time, they'll push you to make you better. So I've always had to try to do good and study up and read and be prepared or just be embarrassed in front of your friends. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends. So I've, I've been really lucky to be on really, really good teams surrounded by good people that push me and uh, make me try to, you know, pull my weight. Well, I'm glad you're on our team, Teddy. I'll say I am that. Too. I'll say that. I'm going to ask you an introspective question a little okay. bit. Maybe that something, means something. Maybe something you have to think about. Yeah. Oh God. Um, so <clears throat> we've been talking about sports writing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's where your passions lie. It's where you started. It's where you're at. It's where you know. But you're you're a storyteller here, mm-hmm. and you write also. You're one of our primary writers for the university side, as we say. Right. How do you sort of keep up your same level of dedication and passion when it comes to writing mm-hmm. when you're not writing about some triumphant last minute the touchdown mm-hmm. and you're writing about maybe somebody like you said splitting the atom 
I, I caught a r- real good break when I was a little kid because I love to read. My mother's hilarious. Both of my sisters are so fun. They don't mean to be. They just they're just funny. Like I go home, I don't have to say nothing. They're just they're, they just make me laugh. I grew up around all these farming people who I don't know if they knew they were funny or not, but they were, and they had lots of time to tell stories. Uh, about just things that happened. Then my dad was a preacher, so I heard three stories a week at least, beginning, middle, and on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So secretly, the good Lord was training me to be a writer. And then if I wasn't working or playing ball or something outside, I was generally reading. So when they asked me to start a Metro column at the Times, and the, the guy said, look, there's just so much bad news. We wanted something happy or refreshing when people put the paper down. And I said, well, I'm down here writing about LSU and the Saints, and I hadn't written a happy story in like two or three years. <laughs> he said, but he said, you have a different pers- – that's back when they were losing. Right. All this- he said, you have a different perspective than the normal person, which sounded kind of weird. And I said, well, I'll try. And so I got to where I enjoyed that, you know, writing about, you know uh, – <laughs> just people just listening mm-hmm. to what y'all say and then writing about it so and and ball's different but but ball is a i mean there's stories too if you do it right it's got beginnings middles and ends and you can see colors and you can hear sounds and you can kind of smell it and know what's going on you know feel like you were at the game but it's the same with with writing about people that's not there's a lot of stuff happening besides ball ball is good it's, but it's recess it's it's fun and it's recess and it's free it's, you know it's not going to determine life or death so there's we got a bunch of fascinating people around here and so it's a privilege to try to tell their stories and they're all really happy that hey this may be the first time that anybody's ever noticed what i'm doing you know that person and so you want to be true to them i mean I'm just so happy to be employed and that they would trust me to tell any story, whether it's about a baseball game or a kid that got a scholarship. And, and um, so it's, a, it's all the Super Bowl to me. It's all, it's all good to me. Well, that's special. That's special. I mean, that's, those are some strong words. And I think strong words, not to create some sort of a pun here, but strong words is what got you into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. You've been writing strong words for quite some time and in the best way. And uh, I know that when I remember sort of the news coming to us in the office Mm -hmm. uh, and we had to find out their secondary sources because one Teddy Allen was uh, none too keen to to let everybody know. But, I mean, that just speaks to who you are, I think. But walk me through, I mean, because that's obviously Mm -hmm. special. And so walk me through what that sort of meant to you to be included in that okay in, that, in this most recent class yeah i can i can i can do that it was it's uh i mean i have a my family in the louisiana sports writers association they're hard working and really do a lot of grunt work and so it was it was wonderful to be recognized by that group uh and especially with these competitive hall of famers that go in every year it's just the louisiana sports hall of fame in natchitoches if you get a chance go to it please on front street and go eat and go walk around the town it's a wonderful place it's a wonderful building and in louisiana you just can't swing a cat without knocking into somebody who's a national yeah. championship or a six-time all pro i mean it's fascinating in some states i'm sure it's hard to get two or three people a year in their hall of fame and we have to duke it out mm-hmm. in our when we have our committee meeting of 35 of us to see which eight people are going to be in because this is such a rich state when i started i remember 
as a rookie sports writer coming into work one day in Monroe in the summertime, and the, uh, it was after the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction that year, which I didn't know at that point. I'm not sure I knew there was one, and I didn't know we had contests. And I had three plaques on my desk and some certificates, and I said, "What's what's up? I'm a columnist of the year, and it's a story." That you <laughs> and they said, "No, those are, you won those this weekend." I said, "You got to be." They give you a, who entered this stuff, and that's back when the secretaries and administrative people would. In your, I didn't know that was going on. So <laughs> this is unbelievable. You can be recognized for this kind of stuff. So the rule is I'm eligible. Maybe I was the last guy eligible. But after 30 years of, in the biz, uh, you become eligible for this Distinguished Service Award. And, uh, and so that's what happened. It was very surprising. It's my first time on the ballot. Didn't know it was going to happen when the guy called me. Uh, this guy who calls Doug Ireland's executive director, when he calls me, something's wrong. Usually, or he's going to tell me something funny. So I said, <laughs> let me get these stuff I'll call you right back. Because I knew it was going to be something we were going to have. But he told me that, and it was uh, – I was happy mainly for my family, for my mother. She loves ball. Nobody loves ball. So she, you know, thinks a big deal. And she went to the actual event, and it's the first time she'd ever been, and she said she's not going to miss another one. And So I'm happy for everybody who's helped me again. I've always been on real good teams, and y'all have pushed me to try to do good. And um, and if you you know if you if you were if somebody came up to you and said, okay, you're gonna have to start writing, and if you had a you know baby truck to feed like me, or you would figure out how to do it. So it's not like it's it's magic. It's it's just you sit down and do it for a while. And um, I was lucky to to figure it out a while ago and to keep wanting to do it. And so it's been a real break, but it, it's an honor to be. Uh, mentioned with all these other folks you're too humble for your own good teddy but uh, we're all proud I've of you i'll tell lucky. you that I've i'll been, tell you that well i appreciate it and i have worked hard and i keep showing up but i a lot of luck's gone into it i've been in you know from moving to to western road the sheriff dropping me off here to wiley hilburn uh you know journalist extraordinaire giving me a chance to keith prince uh helping me out at the um over when they first opened that Thomas Assembly Center, you know, the mailman came along. That was a break. All those teams I covered were good. I already knew everybody when I was a rookie sports writer. They put me on tech, and they just happened to be a fantastic year in 84, 85. It was just fascinating. So I got to write a bunch of extra stuff. So I got out of the blocks real real fast. And tech is a flawed place like everybody else, and it's full of flawed people like me and you. But by and large, I kiss the ground every day I come over here and say thanks uh, because it gave me a, a chance the people did here. You know, I flunked out of school my first year here. I mean, I entered in September. Mm -hmm. <laughs> by May, I came home one day, and my dad was reading a letter. He said, I got a letter from Tech here. And he was kind of happy. I said, oh, wow, the coach wrote and said, you know, I'm doing – he said, and then he's changed. Because <laughs> preachers will do that emotionally. They'll get – he said, you flunked out. And I said, oh, my God. So when you flunk out, you have to take a shower. You can't put on a ball cap. You got to. I went and talked to Patsy Lewis, and she told me, go to class, sit up front, do what you're told. And after that, I made A's and B's. So, again, a lot of luck's been involved, and I just keep keep showing up. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to rank your top three Louisiana Tech athletes of all time. Good. I won't do that because – we don't want to go Keith there. Keith Thibodeau, sure. I'll tell you, is the best I've ever seen here. You'll have to go back and investigate. But, yes, there's been some spectacular people come through here, female, males and females. We, and I, that's, I got to see Wade Trophy winners, All-Americans. Anyway. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I will do. Okay. 
I know that um, you have a, a a good habit of grilling our guests about their families. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your most recent family member addition. Abigail Jane? Oh, my gosh. So my little girl uh, got married four years ago to a Rustin boy. And then now, in July, the child had a baby named Abigail Jane Hilton. And, of course, everybody, oh, look at the baby. I got to see the baby. <laughs> they all look alike, but they're all they're all precious. But Emily is good about sending us pictures of Abigail Jane. And one day after they take take him in after 10 weeks, kind of like an athlete, mm-hmm. but they've been here 10 weeks. Now, let's, <laughs> let's remeasure yeah. you and see where you're physical. at. If you need to do more weights or curl. And Emily was so proud. She said, this kid has a 98 percentile head size. <laughs> you should see the melon on this child. I mean, you can sell ads up here. So precious. So, and she took a couple of angles of pictures to really where you could see this mascot size noggin. So hopefully a lot of brains up there. I get to actually meet the child here in a couple of weeks around Thanksgiving. Um, Abigail Jane. Thanks for asking about her. The first, first little grand human and, um, looking forward to meeting her. Are y'all are y'all pre-planning a nickname, a grand a grandfatherly nickname? No, her grandmother has said they're going to try to push maybe Teddy Bear or something. I said, look, the kid. It never goes. It never goes no, away. You think. As long as she don't call me Peepo, I'm good. That's <laughs> what I was about to say. You're going to be you're going to be Peepo or no, something. No, Emily, her mother has already said if you do anything to make me mad, I'm going to make sure this child calls you Peepo for the rest of your life. So I, I, whatever the kid calls me, I'm going to I'm. Hey, honey. I mean, she calls me, even if it's a bad name that we can't, I'm still going to say, what can I get? What yeah. Can, yeah. So I'm, whatever she calls me, it'll be cool. Well, that's just the kind of person you are, Teddy. Family to everyone. As a, <laughs> I know people affectionately call you Uncle Teddy sometimes. Uncle Teddy. They don't even, yes, don't even, do. they don't even need a relation. Look, I know that sitting across from the table in this, in this fashion is different from the norm. Well, I got a lot of stuff I need to do today, Gavin. So I'm just trying to squeeze you in and do well, the best I can. Well, lucky for you, I think we're wrapping up. <laughs> okay. But I do appreciate Praise it's been Lord. my privilege Uh-oh. to talk to you in this way, and I appreciate you making time for us. And um, everybody loves TA. I know that. So Well, no, thank you all for letting me hang around. It's really a joy to share the world with you, Gavin. It really is. All right, Teddy. I'll I'd say talk to you soon, but that is more than true because we are about to just go back into the office together. Yes, we are fixing to go actually do some real work. Yeah, until we're all at a ballpark again together or doing one of these. See ya! Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.